Welcome to the D-Hood Popcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. Hey, beard buddy. I guess... <laughs> I guess I usually take over, like, no matter who announces the episode, and I right away just start spewing verbal diarrhea. I had to jump in there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's introducing. He <laughs> just left it. Uh, I'm I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am very well. Excellent. You know what else is good? No matter what happens on this episode, which will probably be terrible as they usually are, um, is it's the last <laughs> episode of 2020, this dumpster fire Yay! of a year that we just want to get behind us. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. <laughs> I know. Just just send the microchips right into the I will brain. fucking Bill take Gates all the microchips. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um honestly like we started off with basically two semi-normal months where things were starting to get a little concerning. You know, we we had heard this new virus and then it started to, you know, a few cases popping up all over the world. But really by the third month, by March, it was like full on lockdown. Yeah. And uh you know, we we've had some loosening of restrictions, but now they're back on and hardcore and yep. yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I don't really have a bubble anymore. No, you don't. I mean, your bubble is... <laughs> I was about to say it's essentially what it always was as a joke. You just being at home <laughs> podcasting with your five podcasts. That's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really like work, I guess. But even then, I'm mostly by myself in the warehouse. So it's like... I know it's kind of strange when you live alone, especially, you know, in BC, it's like, oh, household only. And then, well, if you live alone, you can socialize with a couple people. But in my case, I'm technically allowed only one or two people. And um, I remember I was at like a store and there was like this older lady who is the clerk. And she I don't know how we started getting talking about this, but, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, lockdown's pretty good. And. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got only two people. I really only see the girl I'm dating and my mom. And she's like, I thought it was one person. And it it is actually two people. Yeah, yeah. But this old lady's like started to get bad cop. She's like, oh, really? (laughs) Two people. Takes a step back. (laughs) I'm like, I surrender. Don't shoot, (laughs) ma'am. She was like so like skeptical and angry, even though I was in the right. But. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough, and I think the mental strain of things is tough too. And I think you know where we're going with this is not just you know spitballing shit. Uh, we always each year do an end of year episode, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, this is what this is, and I think it's we're we're trying to draw the best gemstones out of a pile of steaming shit that we can for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be tough. It, it it will be, and there's um yeah, there, there's some interesting things I want to talk to you about, especially when it comes to board gaming this year. Um, that I kind of want to pick your brain mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. but um, we'll get there. So uh, I guess hey, do you want to jump into banter? Sure. Uh, I have kind of kind of a couple things. One of them's kind of mostly a offhand comment, but I'll, I'll stick out with my first one. Did you hear about uh, Warner Brothers 2021 movie releases next year? Well, there. <laughs> I wondered if this was going to be one of your. There banters. goes my one banter. There goes my one banter. <laughs> well, that's that okay because maybe we can take a little longer talking about this. But yeah, so all, all of 2021 Warner Brothers Studios releases will hit HBO Max 
same day as uh, they hit theaters, I think it was for about the first month of their release. Is that what it is? That is correct. First month in removed. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, yeah, it's interesting. To me, it speaks to a little bit of a test market circumstance where like, okay, say theaters are open. Are people going to still want to go to theaters for these? Are people going to really like sign up to HBO Max in droves just to see the film? Because you're essentially only given what is basically a theatrical run from HBO Max. As you importantly pointed out, all the films will disappear off the service after a month. It's not like they're staying there. I mean, it just they're just hedging their bets, right? Like that's that's really what it boils down to. They're they're making sure they can make money any way they can because I mean they took significant losses uh, compared to what they projected on Tenet a few months ago, mm-hmm. and they just don't want to repeat the same stuff. They're trying to you know keep the money coming in, and obviously it's a great boon to try to compete as far as streaming services go as well. Yeah, um, I and it's interesting. They're they're kind of prototyping this. Um, I don't know if you know, but like Wonder Woman, which releases on I believe Christmas Day, mm-hmm. is is getting this exact treatment as well. But at first, it was a one off. Yeah, my my concern is for theaters. I love theaters. Um, I know T HUD had gone to many many less theatrical releases in recent years than we did when we first met. But I still love theaters. In fact, I compensated for the loss of going with friends by going alone. So I probably still was going about the same amount um, and with some new friends as well. So I hope theaters are not jeopardized from this. My belief is that this will be kind of a one-off for 2021. It's hard for me to remember. 2021. But yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else is on HBO Max. I mean, maybe this is enough for me to get yet another streaming service. I I don't know. Like you kind of look at look at a release and be like, okay, when can I get my free month free for what movie? <laughs> like you pick you pick the movie you really want to watch and then like sign up for a month for free and then get rid of it. Like now now, have you heard though that they're actually taking off those kind of promos from HBO Max? Oh, okay. They're gonna play a little bit of hardball. That I mean, that's so makes now sense. there's no more promos like that. It's like at minimum you can buy a month at full price. Right, right. I mean that that makes sense. I mean, okay, do they still have that type of thing for Disney Plus? Can you get a week free of Disney Plus? Because they were originally only offering seven days free trial, not a whole month. So they had already like tightened up the restrictions on that yeah i'm actually not sure when it comes to disney plus um certainly when i signed up again last time because i had stopped it after the mandalorian season one was done i didn't didn't really um get any offers or anything like that now they never really would give offers to a returning person they're more like fuck you just sign up again yeah exactly it's for new people. So are there other promotions like that? I don't know. In a related story, I was rolling my eyes. Um, I don't know if you know, or if you even still have it, but Netflix went up another dollar again. So I'm rolling my eyes at that. Oh. I mean, like how fast and how far are they going to go? Because already for their, their middle tier service, which is one screen high definition, I think we're already at like 1599 Canadian. 
which really? is a lot of money. Whoa, that is I, quite I, a I could be wrong, but it's close to that. I'll have to double check what I'm paying. <laughs> yeah, because they'll just do it to you. They'll just right. force you to, to upgrade and pay. And the irony is they, they say, oh, well, it's for original content. Well, a lot of that original content on Netflix has been garbage. Yeah, that's been shit. Don't don't tell me it's for original content and this is why you're paying more. I'm like, I want to pay less because I don't like this content. Right. If I'm gonna, like, if I'm gonna be paying more than I expect you to be securing better content not made by yourself, right? Like that's you need to make sure you get the distribution rights or streaming rights or however the fuck it works of more movies. <laughs> like you reach out to the yeah. large uh, production companies like Warner Brothers and make sure their movies get put on your service if I'm going to be paying you more. But nobody wants, I mean, everyone wants to compete though, right? Like nobody wants to sign up yeah. with the conglomerate. They want to become the conglomerate. So that's never going to happen. Like the, the, it's just going to get more and more diluted, right? Like it's already happening. It's just going to get worse. So maybe mm-hmm. this, this, if this becomes popular, this theatrical release rollout it's going to make everything worse as far as the streaming wars go. It's going to make it more difficult for people to choose. It's going to make people's overall entertainment budget more than what they would be paying for cable, which it already is if you add everything up and potentially could be. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's just going to exacerbate everything. And now it's like everyone – well, now, you know, maybe it's just the time to be able to do it because – nobody is spend people aren't spending as much money i mean a lot of people aren't near aren't making any money but nobody's spending it either so maybe they just have more uh disposable income to put towards household entertainment because they can't fucking go anywhere but eventually that's gonna not be the case though right like is this a good long-term solution how much how many eggs do they put in the vaccine basket these companies like what do you think? Oh, I don't know. You're you're opening up such a can of worms, and it's a good can of worms. But I mean, my mind's right now like going like, are are these companies going to start to expect people to pay for like five or six or seven twenty five dollar streaming services? Right. Because that's the inflation that they say they need to support these movies. Meanwhile, theaters are dying and closing everywhere. I mean, that would be hell for a movie guy like me. Yeah, I that agree. Would be hell. As as much as I'm soured on the theater experience i agree i mean i we i think we talked about this last episode like theaters should they need to stick around right they they're an important part i think um of pop culture uh specifically right yeah i agree so okay so i stole yours i stole your banter right but yeah i do have another one now that i think of it which is uh, and spoilers here for the the Mandalorian uh, listener. If uh, if you're into the Mandalorian, if you haven't seen season two, caught up to the episode called the tragedy. You know, don't like skip ahead here five minutes. I mean, most likely you'll just turn us off. But I would ask <laughs> you skip ahead. For uh, we already minutes. got there. Download it doesn't matter. And, and I know Leland, you're you didn't even see Mandalorian season. Oh one, no, 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 I did. Like that was what I got my seven week of Disney Plus free trial for. And what I will get another one if it is available once season two is over. Mandalorian is the only thing that I would use Disney Plus for right now. Otherwise, Disney Plus sucks. And you know my feelings about Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, I, this isn't a big spoiler because I believe he was even teased during season one. But um, Boba Fett comes back in a big way, played by 
I call him his real actor. He was slightly retconned in that they dubbed his voice over Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but otherwise, he's been pretty much the dude in all video games, animation, episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um, his name's Tamura Morrison. So they brought back the, the actual actor to play Boba Fett in an episode directed by Robert fucking Rodriguez. Whoa, <laughs> that's cool. And they say they brought him in because of like, he's great with vicious violence on a small budget. <laughs> Basically, Boba Fett comes in as like this old dude because he's like 60, but he's still he's still jacked. He thick. Um, (laughs) He comes in with this like stick and just like starts breaking and stabbing stormtroopers. And when I say breaking, like their armor is smashing and going everywhere. And you see them with like (laughs) fucked up heads. And um, he's like stabbing them like like stabbing them. It was crazy. And really good fighting because um, the stick he used is related to a Maori war club and um, the actor's like a master level at Maori martial arts. Hmm. So it was like all him. It wasn't a stunt double. Um, But then he gets his armor back and he uses every weapon known to man and some not known to man that was like stuck in that armor for 40 years, which is so awesome and kills more stormtroopers. That's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) It it is cool. And then like... um, now, you were never a big Star Wars guy, but one of the most famous Star Wars games from the 1990s is called Dark Forces, and it revolves around you're a hero, you have to destroy the Dark Trooper Project, which is making, like, Force-sensitive soldiers, super soldiers. Well, you find out that where the Mandalorian has been building, like, why they want the baby Yoda is his blood is to make these Dark Troopers, and they actually deploy oh. the Dark Troopers in this episode. Now, oh, they don't cool. fight, but they're cool as fuck. They're cool as fuck. They're like huge. They can fly with like jetpacks. Um, they're they look like they're super badass and strong. So they kind of tease them because they actually kidnap Baby Yoda, bring him back to this ship. But then the episode ends with uh, with actually they had had a tracking device on Mando's ship. So so they they just fry it like they they just like like eviscerate it. Like he is not getting that ship back. It's just a crater. Oh, but man. then Boba Fett's like. Boba Fett, they, there was some thing, and, and he was like, you know, he, he's a bounty hunter, but he's a man of honor. He's like, I promise to protect you and the child. You are safe. The child is not. So now they're all on board Boba Fett's, like, ship from the original trilogy <laughs> and wow. flying around. It's awesome. That's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so what's happening with the Obi-Wan thing? After that basically got completely redone, reborn, basically they decided the script wasn't good enough and where things were headed wasn't good enough. They put like a year delay on it, but now it's about to start filming. Okay. Yeah, so it's still on and uh, still should be good. Ewan McGregor, perfect age to to pick up Obi-Wan again. And Mm -hmm. um, that's that's my second banter. Well, that was rad. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching season two for sure. Uh, and I will binge it like awesome. a normal person and not weekly like some fucking pleb. Um, any other banter that you got? Because I'm out. I'm good. Let's, uh, I think we can move on. Okay, listener, it's time to move on to Uber segment. Review all. So yeah, listener, in being creative, <coughs> lazy asses, um, we've just shoved everything under an Uber segment. Because, 
this is all this episode about is about. Yeah, it's our it's our December drop, but all we're doing is just reviewing um the year. We can't overcomplicate things. I do want to start with with video games in the honor, you know, of Ghost Marty, who's in hell, which actually might be a better place to have lived for 2020. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But in honor of Ghost Marty, uh, we'll start with video games and uh, we'll start it on a positive note with favorite releases this year. Um, So uh, Leland, I don't know if you have a list or or with you, I'm not sure if you have anything at all, but... uh, I have a list of five I've put together here. Oh, so do I. We match, buddy. This is great. Hey, in no particular order, really, for me. But Mine as well, no particular order. So this is great. Just hit me with your uh, your first one. Uh, okay. I I mean, it's it came out in September. I've been playing uh, quite a bit of it as, as of every, as, <laughs> as, as everybody else, it seems. But uh, uh, Hades. Actually, Ghost Marty did get this for me. I think it was like a oh. way, way, way late birthday party or birthday present is that what it was must have been really late but i don't know he he actually gifted it for me and uh i'm i'm dig it it's like a it's a ro- you know rogue like uh the artwork's great good voice acting um kind of interesting story you, you play the son of hades trying to escape hades um to find your mom and uh yeah it's like been all the rage for the last couple of months like people just love the fuck out of it okay that's cool yeah um to be quite Honest, I haven't really heard of that one. Does it kind of have a God of War light feel to it, or am I just completely crazy hearing the name Hades? Um, I mean, like it's got that Greek aesthetic, right? I mean, because it's <laughs> that's what. How could it not <laughs> being about Olympians? But I don't know if I right. get any any real God of War vibeage from it. You you can't romance other characters. Ooh. <laughs> as as a roguelike is it very difficult like many roguelikes i'm pretty i'm pretty bad at it but i mean i am playing on uh pc i think it's actually for the switch and pc only hmm. so i'm not that great with the mouse and keyboard i guess i i could try hooking up a controller but i think it's um it definitely poses challenges but there's like a bunch of different weapons uh you know range melee and ranged weapons uh that all have pretty unique styles but as you move through you like the rest of the, like the pantheon of gods is like is like aiding you right so you pick up like boons and and um you can you can make different builds as you move through i guess similar to to the way you would i guess deck out your ship in ftl kind of right but so you could all you can try to go for different play styles every time you 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 try to get out right typical roguelike like it's all got the the usual features of a roguelike but it's uh yeah, it's cool. I like it. It's fun. I'm just really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. Yeah, with my first, I'm gonna go with uh, a release from June. Actually, uh, Command and Conquer Remastered. Um, actually, I haven't played a ton of it, but what I think it represents is a really, really good move in the right direction for remasters or remakes. So basically, opposite as many remakes or remasters where it's like let's do something totally different and subvert expectations thank you ryan johnson you know with something by completely changing it not speaking to the fans um command and conquer is the reverse they wanted the core gameplay back they didn't really want to change that 
and they created a fan council, which were like these kind of lead fans to speak directly with the developers. But the fan council then would run polls and like talk in all these forums to just like thousands of everyday fans for Command and Conquer. And they basically essentially told the developers what the people that want to pay for the game actually want the game to be. And so when it released, it was what everybody wanted it to be. And so people just bought it and it sold a ton of copies because why would they not buy it? It's what they want. They knew they they were getting. And like I was never the world's biggest Command & Conquer fan, but I would admit it's it's a near perfect remake or remaster that doesn't have a single thing missing or wrong with it. Um, so if you're into that kind of game, it would probably be perfection. That sounds cool. You know, this year was like, there were a lot of those like remasters and re-releases. Um, and quite a, uh, I was, you know, because I was perusing like a list of 2020 releases. It's like, these all look, these are like, there's a lot of names that like good games, but are just like getting specific console releases. And obviously with the new generation of consoles coming out, like a myriad of the bottom list is all, you know, just re-releases for those specific consoles of games that have come out in the last year and a half. Uh, but yeah, I just noticed a lot of like re-releases. I guess that was an easy thing to do in 2020. Like, I don't know. Although in this particular case, it clearly sounds like a lot of work went into the, the, the remaster. Yeah. I like it. My next, my next is um, ghost of Tsushima. And I, I play, I play about 10 or 15 hours of this game. I haven't completed it. Uh, I don't know. I just fell away from it, but I don't know. It's got a really cool aesthetic. It looks really gorgeous. Uh, the combat, it, once you get the hang of it, it can be, it's very fluid and uh, challenging too. Like this is another game I'm not that great at, but I, I think my problem was with it was like, I guess because it shares uh, like uh, Japanese themes and, and settings that I went into it thinking I was going to be playing Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and it is nothing it, like the combat handles nothing like Sekiro. So if that's what you think, just because they share the same aesthetic, that then I was I was completely wrong. And it took me a while to warm into uh, its own combat me- mechanics. But I think it's worth picking up. Uh, I got it when it was um, new, and I paid full price for it. I'm okay pulling, paying full price for it. I think if. <laughs> That's about as big a compliment as, as I can give for any game, really. <laughs> that is from you. I mean, half the time we can pay you to play a game and you still won't play it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please, Leland, Marty's you will I love this. That's right. You drink that water with <laughs> with disgust towards Marty. Um, yeah, listener can't see the video feed. Probably a good thing. <laughs> Uh, okay, next one I'm going to move up actually is uh, the Civilization VI. And you're going to go, well, the game's been out for several years. Well, they released a another one of their passes. I think this one might be called the Frontier Pass. Uh, I'm not sure why I didn't write that down when I was looking at it. But um, basically, like, you know, spending half a game's worth of money to get a bunch of content over the year, a bunch of uh, new civilizations some new kind of apocalypse level shit that you can turn on like meteors and stuff like that coming down at the end game. I actually don't like most of that stuff. I played it with non-listener Joe, but um, the new sieves uh, are actually really cool. Now you play that game a bit. Have you played any of the frontier pass? Or- no, 
No, no. Okay. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. So I really like Gull. Um, so Gull basically gets really powered by having a bunch of kind of maybe slightly lower end units, but like all side by side, just mobbing sieves, which I'm happy to do. Oh, cool. Get some huge bonuses for that. There's Babylon who gets their science halved. Uh, Joe really loves Babylon. Their science is halved, but whenever they get an inspiration, like say they build two fishing boats and you usually get like half a way to develop sailing or something. Um, instead, no matter what, Babylon always instantly gets the tech if they get an inspiration. So if you are good at chasing down inspirations for various techs and planning ahead, Babylon's science can actually like fucking rage, hmm. even though your like actual research is only half as normal. So I like that stuff. It's been releasing incrementally and it's um, made it a good year to play Civ 6. Nice. So. That's cool. Yeah, I uh, I liked what I played of Civ Six. I've not played it much at all, really. But uh, another game that I think has a a fairly steep learning curve, and I'm just not great at right now. <laughs> I mean, that game you and Marty played. <laughs> the two of you were like, I was still in the Stone Age, and you guys were building nukes, or <laughs> like <laughs> it was about that well, far. I, I'm behind. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I saw you hacking on a piece of granite and I opened a portal from like Bellerophon <laughs> galaxy. And I'm like, do you want to step through Leland? <laughs> you know, we're all cybernetic uh, fish here, but we, we've developed this science and you're like, Leland want to hit the rock. <laughs> ting, ting, ting. So I closed the portal and I was making good progress on that rock. Okay. Well, <laughs> <it worked. laughs> my third on my list. Another roguelike, Irritus Lord of the Dead. Uh, this one's got a cool theme because you actually play like a minion of the bad guy, Irritus. He's like this necromancer, like lich type guy. And you're making a run through, you know, a dungeon, s- series of, of uh, dungeons and fights. Kind of similar to Darkest Dungeon is actually think what it's most closely um, compared to, uh, uh, most often compared to. Okay. But you're like collecting body parts, so you are, and then you're assembling your team, like your minions, like your skeleton warrior, or your banshee, or your zombie brute, and that kind of stuff. And you can upgrade the parts that you use them, so then that makes them better. You can upgrade the minions if they survive through the fights and that kind of stuff. And you're like the, but and then the people you fight are like heroes, like dwarves and like elf warriors and that kind of stuff as you're moving through because you're the you're the bad guy. Uh, another, I don't, you know, I, you know me and roguelikes, like I dig that's like one of my favorite types of, of video game and it's it's really cool it's got a different theme it's got a few you know and the theme kind of presents a few very variations on some of the same old roguelike mechanics so you know it's it's a lot of the familiar but enough new to keep you i think engaged still okay yeah now we're getting into kind of the big boy hitters here i mean hopefully if listeners listened all year a bunch of these should not be a surprise um, next one I'm going to go with is Star Wars Squadrons. Very pleasantly surprised with that game for what you get. Uh, it's not, you know, priced like a AAA title, uh, but the the combat is really good. Um, it really comes down to a kind of substandard uh, first-person campaign, but the, the production values are okay for it. Um, or just straight-up dogfighting or dogfighting under what they call fleet battles where you need to... Uh, take out a couple like light cruisers first, and you got to attack the Star Destroyer, the Mon Calamari Star Cruiser, whatever. 
um, to win it. But yeah, bought a new joystick for it. Uh, the control is perfect. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm good at it. Non-listener Joe bought it for me, so that makes it even more worth the money. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that was just a pleasant surprise that I put a lot of uh, time into in 2020. So. Yeah, that one is definitely on my uh, want to play list for sure. For sure. Uh, okay, well, the next for me, I guess, is going to be uh, Doom Eternal is the new Dune game for this this year. I think it came out in March. Uh, and I actually only just recently picked it up because it was on a sale, of, like Black Friday sale on the PSN store. So I've only played a few hours into it. Um, it's like exactly what you'd expect from a Doom game. <laughs> like, you know, gratuitous violence. And like if you, <laughs> what is it, if you melee a guy, oh, if you do like a special finisher melee, if you do not have damage to him, they, they start to like flash. And you get up to him, you can finish him off of the melee and it, generates health for you so you know it's part of the the stay alive mechanics but <laughs> there's one part of the specific enemy where you just like clonk them on the head and their skull just sinks into their chest cavity <laughs> like it's the fucking <laughs> funniest thing ever <laughs> so it's exactly wow. what you'd expect um there are some cool uh new uh world traversal mechanics like you can like climb onto specific walls and jump and dash in midair and get dash boosts and then continue to dash for that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's some new stuff from, uh, the doom. I think it came out a couple years ago, the one before it, but I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I am playing on hard though. So it is really hard. And I think I might just have to dip the difficulty because it's, I was getting really frustrated. I had a, yes. last night I had had a couple of beers yes. and, I had, I had had a well. I had had a six pack at Cronenberg and was playing and was getting very, very mad, very angry. We got from. I just, I just want to, I just want to reiterate here, listener. I had a beer, couple beers, six pack of Cronenberg. That kind of escalated quickly, <laughs> but um, oh, that sounds. I could see you raging from a six pack of alcohol. It's not too difficult yep. to imagine. Usual, yeah, usual. <laughs> <laughs> My next up, uh, I've got to go with Phasmophobia. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I got it. I love Phasmophobia. I'm someone like you guys know, I think I mentioned, besides playing with you, I would go on and play with dudes from like all over the world and stuff like that. Just random matchups. I like the game that much. It It is legitimately scary. The AI is phenomenal. I don't know how you program a ghost to be a ghost, but they've somehow figured it out, <laughs> in my opinion. And, uh, you know, as a guy that loves horror games, um, it, it's just it's just awesome. So, yeah, I'm all over that. I agree. That's a good games. good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, my I mean, my last one, I just had to put Resident Evil 3 on there because I think that was this year, right? Because I played it during... Was it this yeah, year? I I think it must have been like was it must have been like January or February. Pretty early, right? Pretty early. Oh, it was third of April. Okay, That's even later than I thought. Yeah, me too. So no wonder I played it so much because I was laid off uh, in the beginning of the pandemic at that time. So I played a lot. I played it a lot. Like I and I like it less than Resident Evil Two, but I played it more than Resident Evil Two. I don't know. I don't know why. I think because. Uh, I guess maybe because of its more actiony tendencies to it, it, it led to more replayability for me somehow. Uh, I don't know. Like I played it on, I think not the hardest, but the second the hardest difficulty 
and managed to complete it. I don't know how I got past that last boss, but I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I get urges to pick, to jump in and like do a quick run of it because <laughs> it is a fairly short game, really. And uh, if you know what you're doing, especially with some of the additional unlockables, like I could start with the uh, the chain snippers, bolt cutters. That's what I'm looking for. And run right through it in like three hours, maybe. So I don't know. I, I really liked it. Yeah, you know, I should go back into it and beat it. I, I somehow gave up on it and I'm not sure why. It wasn't that I hated it. I think it's just uh, I just somehow went back and played different things. So. Yeah, but that that's a good pull. That's a good pull. Didn't get great reviews, though, so some people may disagree with you, but um, it was fine for the time I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I actually did, I said no particular order, but I did hold one back for last because of pure hours and honestly bailing me out of the frustration of the first quarantine in March. Animal Crossing New Horizons. I know I'm a 35-year-old man. I get it for Animal Crossing, but... Honestly, it was so much fun. Um, they released so much new content through it to be able to um, play it with my family, visit each other's islands. It it was a mental health thing, and I don't care if anybody wants to, to fight me on that. It came right as the first weekend of quarantine in the Vancouver area, which is where we are. I remember picking it up like Friday and it was like 4 p.m. and the doctor out here was like at 6 p.m. a quarantine begins today. <laughs> that sounds just like Bonnie Henry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Keep your safe six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. And I got months out of play out of that. I'm starting to get the itch to go back. Um, so I think I may do that as well. But um, and just see how things have changed. But um, certainly... Uh, as far as hours put into a game this year, um, yeah, that that one's there. Yeah, I'm not surprised that's on your list. I mean, you're definitely not alone <laughs> in the millions and millions of others that were playing it during quarantine times and uh, using it as an aid to get them through, that's for sure. It came at a good time. It was yeah. a really good good release time for that game. It could not be a better release time for that game. So I do want to move, I do want to move on to bombs or misses of which I have one that's damn close to a miss in my mind. But, um, did you have any bombs or misses of the games that you played that came out this year? Um, I mean, not really nothing that like, like nothing new this year. I mean, I did play a game from 2019 that sucked, but nothing like nothing I played that was newly released in 2020. Gotcha. Yeah, in my case, um, it's actually Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Now, the game is certainly playable. I mean, it takes three very well-reviewed Mario games and puts them together in one Switch package. By the way, I just found out that Switch has done this a ton. They have so many physical releases for, like, old game collections where they'll take, like, three games from Super Nintendo, throw it on, like, a Switch whatever they are, like 32 gigabyte flash drive and like sell it for 70 bucks. It's a genius market that you've got going on right there. But the problem was, I mean, this was essentially for Mario's 35th anniversary and uh, there really wasn't much there besides the games. You had kind of a music jukebox thing. I think there might have been an a small art gallery, but I might be wrong about that. 
the games themselves were just purely uh, emulated. They weren't rebuilt. And particular Mario Sunshine was missing a critical, critical um, uh, control feature to use a GameCube or GameCube-type controller with that game. Basically, anyone who's ever played Mario Sunshine, how he's got this pack on him that shoots water, um, and the Mar- the GameCube shoulder buttons were pressure sensitive. So you could depress with a certain amount of pressure, and then after a certain point, it would click. Well, what that's supposed to allow you to do is there's a number of chase sequences where you need to hold that trigger button, and Mario will squirt. He's fighting evil Mario, and you need to just squirt him a bunch of times until finally he trips over. Well, how the game was originally released is you just click the button and Mario does what happens when the shoulder button is fully clicked, which is he just stands still and shoots his water. Well, that that basically makes the game unplayable, especially oh, for those no certain way. segments where you need to keep chasing. So they released they released an update for that, which means it was pretty easy to repair after a few weeks of fan outcry, but you're going... How did you know so little about your own game and how important this feature was to not have this as part of the game? How do you only have a music jukebox that is so 90s that you like you can't even skip along the track to your favorite part? You click a track and it starts to play and if you click another track then that stops and the new track starts to play. <laughs> you can't you can't move around, you can't assemble a a, a playlist. You can't play with your own custom playlist. Like for thirty-five year anniversary thing, they just they really shit the bed. That's brutal. Opinion. They really shit the bed. Brutal. So, um, yeah, that's the one I got. But um, I wanted to bring that out there, listener. Listener, if you have the ability to play the games on their original consoles, I I would definitely do that. Yeah. So let's move on to the next little segment we've got here which is are there games released this year that you still want to play leland yeah 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 i have a few here um i mean the top of the list was disco elysium i know i didn't get a chance to to play that no even though ghost marty bought it for me no you didn't haven't gotten to it yet either eh? oh man no did he buy it for you no no um he didn't <laughs> the bastard <laughs> Well, he said, Dear Moby, you will like this game. Love, Ghost Marty, from hell. Oh, that's a very sweet sentiment. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know what? If if you ever pick it up, I'll I'll maybe try to pick it up with you, and then we can talk about it as we go. Now, I know you'll somehow have it beat, you know, quarter of the time it would take me while you're on, like, super hard insane mode, but um, <laughs> that's just how these things roll. <laughs> you know what? When I game i've got here is um visage which is a game it's a horror game actually listener dan did get me to look into it and it's a game heavily heavily inspired by pt now i haven't gone far into it and i don't even think i've seen a ghost yet but the game absolutely scares the shit out of me so i have to get back at this one is that the one in in the house the big yes okay i do know what you're talking yeah yeah and I think it only it actually recently got completely finished too. Yep. It did just recently get completely finished. And there's just it's wrong. Like like how his living room, how the architecture is. It's a modern home, but it's wrong. Where light switches are is wrong. The the looks of his couch is like this old seventies look. And I'm like, everything is wrong here. <laughs> and you're completely alone. And it, it scares you because 
actually phasmophobia has this bit too. You're in, uh, you know, you're not in some crazy haunted house from like the 1700s. You're in a real house alone with real lighting and weather and ambient noise and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's scary. So I got to jump back into that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, a few other ones I had, I, I, I mean, it's probably, I don't think I, I've seen really great things about it, but I would love to try the, uh, multiplayer predator hunting grounds. Have you seen, have you seen that, you know, where one player gets to play the predator and the others are just playing like soldiers hunting it. And it looks pretty, it looks like it would be fun That's as hell. That's awesome. To, yeah. It looks like it would be fun as hell to play. But not that great, but, like, really fun still. <laughs> like, you know, the Predator can like, jumping from trees to tree, goes camouflage, and really has to do a lot of, like, hit-and-run tactics kind of things. Because it looks like it, you it, if he's caught out in the open by the whole group of, like, four or five soldiers or whatever it is, like, he'll just get straight fucked, right? <laughs> I don't know. It looks it looks cool. I would, I'd like to, I would love to give it a try. I think it would be really fun. Now, have you seen the first Predator? Mm-hmm. Is the story of that hunting grounds or, or was the group of commandos there for another reason? I've never seen it. I I don't know. I don't know if it even has much of a story. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's literally okay. – I, I think it's supposed to be akin to um, the Friday the 13th game that came out I think in 2019. You know where you, know, you randomly matchmake and one, one player randomly plays Jason and the others are the camp. Uh, counselors trying to survive kind of thing. I think it's supposed to be akin to that. I don't even know if it, I wonder if it's the same people. I don't know, actually. But other than that, on my list was just, uh, I would I would love to pick up the Oculus Quest 2 that just came out. I A few months ago, I was looking at the Oculus Quest pretty seriously and uh, glad I didn't pull the trigger since this number two has come out. But other than that, obviously, Cyberpunk 2077, which at the time of this recording isn't even released yet, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to wonder if you mentioned that one because everybody, everybody's mentioning that one. Weird thing I learned about cyberpunk this week is that Elon Musk's main squeeze and mother of the inimitable X-Ash-12 is a character in that game or is the actress for a character in that game. Really? That's Grimes? strange. Yeah. That was the same article where I read that Grimes, she used to not shave herself because people wanted her to shave herself but now she shaves her body all the time because people don't want her to shave her body this was all the exact same article. <laughs> she just seems weird as hell and i'm like well how can elon musk tolerate living with her and then i'm like well he's elon musk yeah he's the he's same fucking way hell. exactly yeah he's a fucking weirdo like he's a <laughs> He's a billionaire genius philanthropist, but um, like he just he <laughs> is no Tony as, Stark. As absolute fuck, so. <laughs> he is no Tony Stark. Okay, so the other one I've got is uh, okay. Yeah, this is a big one, even in my family. Uh, my sister, my uh, future sister-in-law, and I all want it. Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Now that I mention it. So essentially what they've done, and it's it's actually it's a cool idea. It apparently worked out. So Zelda Breath of the Wild, very popular, but really didn't have a story. And so this company wants to make a Zelda game, 
and someone had an idea of, okay, well, let's, let, yeah, it's it's Hyrule Warriors, so it's going to, you know, one versus a thousand gameplay, but let's actually just, like, make it the exact same art style in the same world and pump it full of all the story, the backstory that was missing. And fans loved it. I've watched a number of reviews on it as outstanding reviews. And apparently it's a really good prequel, even though the play, the, the play style is quite different. Okay. So it's justifiable to pick up because it plays differently, basically. Well, I think it's, I would actually say it's justifiable to pick up because they took this one on 1000 hack and slash and actually filled in the story that people wanted. Um, so I think that's the main actual driver for me to want to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you're the last person on Earth to want to play Nintendo games, so you don't give a shit. But for Nintendo people, <laughs> they, they're probably pretty happy. And yeah, that makes this sense. Forms Zelda's first, this forms Zelda's first ever trilogy, um, where they'll have three kind of games for one iteration of Zelda, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, a lot of people who don't really know Zelda that well don't know that Majora's Mask was actually a sequel to Ocarina of Time, a direct sequel. Right. But so they've had dualities before, but this is the first time they'll they'll have a trilogy. So, yeah, and that's the only other one I've got to look forward to. Well, then have you been playing a lot of old stuff? I mean, you always play older stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the the one that I really did where I'm like, okay, this is quarantine. I need to do something old and homely so that like I feel good about life. Was I dug up Majora's? Uh, sorry, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Beat that in April. Beat it pretty quick. I mean, I played the game several times. I know exactly what to do, but it was fun. It was really good to to blast through it again. Um, the other one I did, I went back to actually Final Fantasy VII. Not, I don't have a PS4, so not the remake, but the actual Final Fantasy VII. Got a fair ways into Midgar, which is what I usually do, and then just for whatever reason, drop out. And it's it's hard because there's some other old games that I tend to play every year or two that I can't say, oh, I played this because of quarantine. Um, Majora's Mask was really the big one, and if you want to say that this is something I had to discover about myself prepping for this episode, well, why didn't you play more old games? Well, because I was playing new games. It wasn't a bad year for new games. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was like the only sector that new stuff was actually coming out, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we weren't watching new movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Of the, the three things that we cover here on this show, video games is the only one positively affected by a quarantine situation. Yeah, definitely. At the very least, the 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 least impacted for sure. Yeah. So then, I guess by your your definitions, then me going back to Factorio, well, while I was laid off, doesn't count as <laughs> a quarantine game because <laughs> I would probably play it anyways. <laughs> well, well, that's only something like seriousness. You're laughing, but that's only something you could answer if if you went back to it because you're like shit. I'm on quarantine, I lost my job, I don't have uh, much to do. I would absolutely say that was a quarantine choice. It, yeah, it, I mean, it definitely was. Yeah, it definitely was. It was, I I had a very robust railroad network that was really coming along. Uh, <laughs> man, oh man, the trains, they were running on time and on schedule like they're supposed to be. Woo, dog! You have to be careful, <laughs> you can't spend too much time crossing them. You gotta look both ways, because you will get hit by them. 
and I did get hit by a few because they are running as efficiently and productively as they are supposed to be running. And by God, live or die on those tracks, they will continue to run. Was it was it to the point that you would have trains like barely crossing over and like not hitting each other? Kind of thing <laughs> At some of the intersections, I mean, if you, inevitably one of the intersections really becomes the most used. <laughs> I'm just imagining like sneaky snakes, trains just like <laughs> slithering all over your land. Yeah. You don't even know what you're going to do with these five, 50 million resources, but you just have them. Yeah, just having them run around loops. They're not even carrying, half of them aren't even carrying anything. They're just running on those tracks. <laughs> I just imagine these these poor engineers. My life is meaningless. I'm not carrying anything for the Leland train service, the Leland Railroad. And Leland's just like, keep going, keep going. Run, run, never stop chew, chewing. <laughs> <laughs> never oh, man. stop chew-chewing. <laughs> you want to move oh, on to, so on to board games? Right, let's move on to the stuff that's shitty and depressing. So take it away. <laughs> well, so here, here's the thing: when it comes to, to new releases, uh, new releases of board games in 2020, I have no idea what any or if any actually came out because I have, I've, I mean, I've commented on this before. I found myself so far removed from the board game side of tabletop gaming. It's just more RPG centric and has been for the last like year, really. Um, so I'm not. I'm like out of it. I'm like falling out of it. I'm not paying attention to it. I don't know what is what in 2020. I don't know. I just know that, you know, there were no conventions and they were all held virtually in some barely a, a replacement of the actual physical cons. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, yeah, you're talking about, you know, new new board games that got released. Um, In my case... I collected more board games, I realized this year, than in like the past 25 years, <laughs> somehow, even though I haven't played, I think we might have played one, but we certainly haven't played the other four that I've got. Okay, wow. Now, there's reasons for that, and I'll get into, you know, that, but... Yeah, it was just really weird looking through my board games being like, yeah, wow, all five of these are from 2020. You know, where I want to go with this, I guess, is, um, you know, Leland, did you did you give up physical board games or were you like through the first couple months of the year before quarantine were you actually still playing with people? Uh, yeah, yeah, like January, February and a bit of March, wherever I can. I mean, I don't really get a chance to play physical board games when it's not a pandemic really uh, i mean the odd time that maybe mm -hmm. you and i and marty can get together um sometimes if like a uh, my in-person D, D group falls through we'll we'll play games instead that kind of stuff so yeah i mean like status it was status quo at the beginning of 2020 and then obviously significantly dropped off come march to, to zero to literally to zero right and for physical board games, I'm the same. But I really do. Like, when things start to loosen, loosen up in 2021, when we're, we're allowed to see a few friends, I want to come over, bring some of these board games, play them with you, and review them on the show, for real. Because yeah. now I've, like, I've got, like, four solid games I want to do on the show for 2021. <laughs> okay, great. And that's just my games. 
there's still a bunch of games for you that I still want to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let let 2021 be year of the board game review. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah, so I barely played any physical board games, but um, I certainly was playing online board games. And that was a brand new thing for me this year, like uh, Board Games Arena, mm-hmm, uh, which mm-hmm. we've spoken of. Played several uh, games on that with uh, Randy, Joe, and Lauren. It was good. Yeah, I mean, how are you prolific of a user are you of Board Game Arena, if a user at all? Uh, BGA, not that much. Um, mostly I uh, use Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia, which they're pretty much the same thing. They have a lot of the same functionality. Um, obviously, I think we've talked we've talked about some of these before in the past, like yeah, some of the legally legal gray areas of Tabletop Simulator in particular, um, as it is like uh, anybody could go ahead and make an implementation of any game they want and put it on Tabletop Simulator. The the, the publisher and designer of those games aren't getting anything from it, right? Like a Tabletop Simulator, you you buy it on Steam and then that's all you pay for. So. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like I like Tabletop Simulator, but fuck, man, is it's a it's a machine hog. Like it's a it's taxes your computer. <laughs> like it's really you need a if you wanted to play a TTS game online and like stream it, like you need a you need a decent rig. Like you can't just my old laptop could not do it for sure. Uh, I don't know why it's so fucking resource hoggy. It's crazy. It's just nuts. But I've been playing a lot of that. I mean, like, Emma and I play a lot of games. Um, I mean, but that's not also to discount uh, all the great Steam implementations. Like, if you just find a game on Steam, like, they're usually pretty good. Uh, like, the Splendor one in particular, like, Emma and I have played the fuck out of that Splendor. I beat her every time. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Steam has Splendor? Yeah. Why have you, what the fuck have you told me about this? Can, can I randomly match with people? Can I randomly reserve? Yeah. You can make a, yeah, you can make a room. You I'm can reserve right all you want. <laughs> Listener, we are doing the first ever live buy of a video or board game on this show. You cannot deny me splendor in the middle of a quarantine. It's very slick. Where it's a I? very, it's very slick. You are a terrible friend and podcasting <laughs> partner for not informing me. <laughs> Oh, Listener, man. we're doing it live. Is is he not? Is he not for not telling Moby after all the times over the years I've spoken of Splendor? <laughs> okay. So, where is Axis and Allies Global Online? Please. <laughs> yeah, right? I just can tell you everywhere I've been playing all of your favorite games without you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Um, so, yeah. No, I'm... Uh, I'm not going to bore listener too much, but I'm just going to make sure I've got uh, Splendor. Oh, there it is. Only $11. Happy holidays. Fair trade. Uh, (laughs) Fair trade. Oh, it looks so good. It looks exactly like it's supposed to look like. I will reserve. Okay, added, added to my cart. So... Other than that, um, Scriblio, which is completely free on its own website, uh, we played the fuck out of Scriblio. That's the most what we played. Mm-hmm. Um, you played it a few times, right? No, actually, I've yet to yet to try it. I've been invited a couple times, but just didn't have the time. Oh, we gotta we gotta set this up as a, a T head thing. So, listener, um, Scriblio is 
it's similar to um, Pictionary. That's the game it's most uh, similar to. Um, there are some differences in that you can guess, you, you type your guesses on what the person's drawing, um, but there's a point system. So whoever uh, guesses first will maybe get, say, plus 1,400 points. Um, but if you guess even a few seconds later, you might be down to plus 500 points. And of course, it goes down with each person that guesses, and you play a number of rounds, and whoever has most points wins. But it, it's it's pretty fun to do. I mean, it's a mouse. It's got a simple interface that has like a few colors. You can pick a few colors. The, um, the cards that you get are better than Pictionary because there's like pop culture. So you might get like Robert Downey Jr. or Iron Man or, you know, just all sorts of pertinent things, political leaders that are current that you have to draw. And so that's a little more fun mm-hmm. to try to get those. So, yeah, again, it's completely free. So it's uh, just Google it. Google Scribble, uh, S-C-R-I-B-B-L, then dot I-O, Scribble, or E-O. Um, it'll come up and uh, play it with some friends. It's a lot of fun. That sounds fun. Yep. Sounds just amount of fun as that enthusiasm you just gave. So. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking over. <laughs> I was looking over our show notes here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what real i can only imagine that not having conventional conventions this year really hurt a lot of publishers like yeah i know i mean so many of them did their best putting on their own like virtual cons i will say though that i think contributed to a lot of the boost in uh, like streamers like board game content streamers now like everybody is getting into twitch and streaming board game plays and like solo plays and it's so easy to i mean the incursible party we've done quite a number of we have a, a running series where we have on a guest called in the tiny huts and we pick a game that the guests might want to play and we play it on like tabletop simulator or whatever whatever you know avenue that all of us have and it really does make it easy to put it out there to stream it to to share it with people Obviously, way more easier than <laughs> having to set up multiple cameras for a physical board and that kind of. But people are still doing that too, right? Like, there's a myriad of uh, of people that are, are streaming their solo games and that kind of stuff, and with really great setups. Like, it's it's kind of cool. It's broadening at least the the content variety in within the hobby. So so that's a plus. I mean, I think that's definitely a plus. And but. Yeah, I don't know as far as I, – I just wonder how many – as far as sales goes. And, and like I said, I'm just so out of the loop on what actually came out this year. I don't know. Like I don't know what what was – I don't I have no idea what was supposed to be the big ticket items at like Gen Con or, or, or uh, Essence Spiel. I just don't know. And I wonder how those, those you know n- games that everyone was begging for really performed. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, you you wonder. I I'm seeming pensive because I'm thinking even down to the notorious manufacturer. What happened to manufacturer with less things to print this year? Are they going to go out of money and then we're going to have even shittier manufacturers? Because like both. So this is something I want to get into. So two of the five board games I got this year were actually old Kickstarters that finally came in. And both of them either had major issues with manufacturer in China before the board game shipped, or in one case, after it shipped. 
Apparently there were issues with dice. My dice appear to be fine, but um, you know it was a it was a thing, and so yeah, so that's why I brought up manufacturer. It's uh, <laughs> there's some weird irony there in like board games I bought two years ago, dropping into my lap at the first time where I can't actually play them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's irony there. Now, Leland, did you get your copy of the Evil Dead board game? Unfortunately, no, because at the time it was to be delivered, I was laid off and nobody was. And of course, I had stuff, I have stuff delivered to my work address and nobody was there to receive oh. it. So it's lost to the ether. I don't I haven't taken the time to figure out who to email and see how to get a copy. Um, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know shit. if it's. I Yes, I'm. I'm very. Like, especially, like, if we play it and it's a great game, I'm going to be really, really pissed. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know what? It's a fucking lost cause. Like, it was almost seemed like a pipe dream even be able to get the chance to just pay for additional shipping and getting a copy after it got picked back up again. But I don't know. I hope it's good because you got yours, obviously. Yeah, I got mine. Um, It looks good. I haven't actually opened the box yet, but it came with a bunch of other extras that uh, look really good. And it's another game that I hope we play. Um, I got Battletech in just a couple weeks ago, as I just mentioned with the dice. Battletech looks really cool. I forget if I talked about this the last episode, but like if you if you like kickstarted it to a certain level or whatever, you could get yourself made as a pilot. And there's some pretty fucking weird pilots. There's, like, a pilot who's, like, a female psychologist, and all she really does is, like, want to follow around the other mech warriors in a mech and take care of their mental health (laughs) instead of fight. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you you could write your own backstory, and you can clearly tell the ones who had, like, fan-written backstories. They're okay, but... They're kind of crude, but you can tell for some others that like they left the professionals to write the backstory. So some guy did like his three-year-old kid as a pilot. So there's like a pilot that looks like a baby wired into a mech. (laughs) And they made this like crazy backstory about it, like how the kid's like a genetic homicidal mutant. Wow. So it's, that's funny. It's that was that was like almost worth the box itself was just reading through all those cards. Oh, that's hilarious. Then you get the guy who it's it's uh, 2020. So how do I say this? Very body positive nerd sitting in a cockpit with glasses and he's like bald and got a neck beard and writes the story that, you know, he destroyed a thousand suns and has taken out 10,000 mech warriors <laughs> with his bare hands. You're like, yeah, Frank Lawson. You really are the king. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's how they that's how they get the money on those pledges. That's what they pay for. Well, I you, I mean you got to think like BattleTech is old. There's a lot of core fans of BattleTech that kickstart this shit. Like nerds are not all young or ish or our age. There's a lot of nerds that are 50, 60 plus years old who still like the same stuff as when they're kids. So now they're popping up kickstarting yeah. stuff like that. But it's it's more awkward when it's like a, you know, 60-year-old dude strapped into a mech warrior like that. So, <laughs> oh, man. I I would love to play both those games. Those sound really fun. Maybe maybe I should look into tracking down a cop, my copy of Evil Dead that I've paid twice for now. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, even even just for the money part of it, the financial aspect, that's that's important too. So, is it cool if I run into the other three board games that I got this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear. I, I mean, because two two of them you've already heard of, and one of them you, you might have played. But um, again, I have Line in the Sand, which is a Middle Eastern um kind of war game. I think it's uh, like the coalition. It's like Gulf War, like coalition versus uh, the Iraqis. It's just a really cool idea for a board game. Um, and then there's Supremacy, uh, which is kind of like a, a nuclear war, um, sort of Cold War-ish uh, board game that I want to play. And those two actually were like left in my apartment's free to take zone, which usually has the worst stuff like barely washed dishes or people's old sandals or all kinds of junk that nobody wants someone put a um someone put a vacuum there with no hoses and no cord like two weeks ago and the landlady like wrote up a piece of paper and she stuck it on that and she's like can whoever placed this here please tell us how it is useful to have a vacuum with no hose and no cords like it's just like a body of like some drag along the floor vacuum. So, but anyways, those those two board games were were there. Um, and then the one is uh, Bad People, which I believe we played once. It's kind of like a um, a spinoff or very similar game to Cards Against Humanity. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where it's like basically we had to pick whoever was the shittiest person in the group in a certain circumstance, <laughs> right. and who did we all vote for, right? Who would be most likely, you know, to to do this or that? Who would be most likely to not tell their friend who loves Splendor that Splendor is on Steam? Like, that was an example <laughs> card. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, very specific card, but... <laughs> well, hey, I mean, there's a... It's a situation for every card, I guess, or a card for every situation. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. So, yeah, those um, and even though we played bad people, I want to play it again. So that's why I brought it up, because uh, we only only played it once. So. Well, if we get uh, T-Hood Christmas. One can only hope. Didn't we plan for that? Didn't we have a day tentatively set aside? Yeah, we that? do. I, I, I'm not holding out hope that it's going to be a reality. Because the last thing we want to do is be singing carols and have Dr. Henry show up at our door. Knock, knock, knock. Here's your $230 fine. Here's a $2,000 fine. <laughs> That's or much whatever. more severe. <laughs> so, okay, so I don't know if I've asked this already, but have you picked up any physical board games this year? Uh, actually, I guess I I guess I did get... Um, I got Rap Gods and uh, Study in Emerald and... Uh, I kind of fell into a copy of Gloomhaven that, I mean, it will never get played. Uh, I got a bunch new HeroScape terrains. I guess those count. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't like gone out and, and like Amazon purchased like new games or, or, you know, or board game bliss do a bunch of new games. No, just cause like. I mean, now I know for sure they're not going to get played, whereas usually it was like, well, there's a 5% chance these games I'm buying will get played. So, not really, no. Okay, well, I mean, like, I, I hate to say, listener, it was not the greatest year to be a board game player. Let's just quite be honest. Not if, especially not if you have no nobody else in your household. I mean, 
if uh, Emma was here and we were quarantined together, we would have played a ton of games, right? Like, or if I had a roommate or whatever, right? Significant other, roommate, etc. No, I, I hear that. Too bad I should have just said, like, hey, can I take your old couch back and into your old room and we'll be roommates through quarantine <laughs> together. We probably would have killed each that other. That would have been fun. <laughs> I know. I was going to say which month would have we, you know, one of us died. <laughs> But it would have been fun while it lasted. You know, why are the cartoons always on? <laughs> Inside joke, listener. Take <laughs> care, <gotta> listener. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, anyways. Anyways, so was, I had one final point about board games I, that I'm trying to remember. Okay. Then, oh, yeah. Um, and this is nothing to do with you because I'm I, at the end of the day, I'm actually the content uh, uh, coordinator here, whatever content manager. But something I noticed that was really tough podcasting in 2020 was uh, finding good crazy about carports. Yeah. Yeah. And I think listener noticed probably that compared to the last, what is it now? Almost three years we've done this. Mm-hmm. That crazy about cardboard probably at its weakest year in content and in amount of times we did it, but it was just difficult. We did the online stuff and it's like, what else do you do? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. Well, anyways, let's move on to something that's probably a little bit more upbeat, which is uh, the movies film section, Uh, you know, formerly called movie musings, but uh, we're uber segmenting this. I mean, stuff was still released. Films really had a hard time, but streaming and shows were were still released for the most part. And so um, just kind of a general question, Leland, if you can search your mind. Uh, what were you watching during quarantine and what do you bi- what did you binge that you can remember? Well, boy, during uh, during quarantine itself, uh, there wasn't there wasn't really that much, but like kind of actually more near once I started going back to work, I found that. I needed to consume more content to not to have my brain not thinking about work. You know what I mean? Like, whereas when I wasn't working, like I just had like, I mean, doing lots of uh, podcasting and uh, playing more video games and really binging anything. So it's kind of more like late pandemic where I've been binging stuff. But like everybody's talking about Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen it at all, but it's really good. Everybody's telling me I have to see this. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, the main lead, like, she's really great in it. Uh, It's just uh, surprising that... (laughs) It's it's honestly just so surprising that, like, a a show about chess was great. (laughs) Because it was really... It was a a character drama, right? That's really what it was. But, I mean, like, it helped boon chess set sales like you can't get a chess set anymore right now because everyone's buying them like the numbers for uh people signing up to play chess online have literally like a hundred times a hundredfold like blown up on all these sites all over um as canada at least specifically uh it's just ridiculous like literally it's single-handedly making a comeback for chess (laughs) you know comeback in quotes or whatever but like and it kind of got me thinking like what other oh yeah this is something i thought maybe would have made a good topic but hey let's get into it now what what other things what other type of like board game i mean you know chess is really a it's a board game could or would get that treatment like how would that 
work? What other things could that possibly work for the way it's worked for chess? Like it's literally revitalized chess with a lot of people. How and why? Like as as to, and I'm asking you, this is here. I'm placating to your marketing bones. I'm asking you, it, when would you have ever thought something like that would be feasible or or that would be like a strategy that you could potentially take? Like, how does that make sense? Well, for board games, it would be difficult because you have to have, first of all, you have to have a board game with such mass appeal that almost everybody knows it. Like, I mean, you could do Monopoly with Anthony Hopkins as the Monopoly man and make it like, you know, pretty... Pretty like, you know, this town, a lot of virgin land to build. <laughs> what do you think, Admiral Admiral of the Battleship? You know, Mr. Mr. Timer. Well, I don't know. What do you think, Thimble Queen of the West? <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> Just ride on that reading railroad. Ride on. <laughs> I, I, you could do Sheriff of Nottingham starring Tommy Lee Jones. Hey, what's in that apple? <laughs> Let me see those golden apples. Here, apple. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's, I just find it phenomenal. It's like so ridiculous. Like I don't understand it. I mean, I was never really into chess all that much. I was always shit at it. Um, but like, it's, I can, I can see why it's enjoyable, but like the show made it seem interesting. So I think even someone that has no idea how to play chess could still enjoy the show and maybe be intrigued by it. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like, uh, even this YouTube guy that I follow who does down the rabbit hole. I mean, I wish he made more content cause it's so good, yeah. but he did one on like Gary Kasparov against uh, deep. Deep Blue. Deep Blue. Yes, I, I watched that one so too. So good. Yeah, recently I watched yeah, that one. Very pretty good. interesting, yeah. Because it, it, it felt like a war because it's like, boom, 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 Deep Blue wins this yeah. by this method. And then it's like Kasparov comes back by playing defensive on Black and beats him. And Well, IBM was just sleazy though. Like, <laughs> I mean, totally. they they were just in it for the profits, right? They didn't give a shit. Like, just the the environment that they sound like they had them playing in against this computer in that second match, like ridiculous, like psychological torture. <laughs> so they so their machine could win, so their truck their stock could skyrocket to like a bill, trillion dollars. Just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they have him like he had no he had no air conditioning in that room he's supposed to be allowed to rest in? It was like some shitty little yeah, closet that they I've, put aside yeah, for him. Exactly. Just sleazy man <laughs> that's that's such a good channel but um it really you're right. it, it led to spin-offs like that i mean realistically yeah unless you could find a way to make something like monopoly or poker really oh, interesting i yeah. i don't know thing is problem with poker is that we've had so many reality tv poker shows for like 20 years that that kind of dumbs down the appeal a bit that's true yeah yeah, yeah. my opinion well, other than that, I mean, I've watched The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is really great. Um, and but my my what I'm binging right now, I'm almost done, and I think I talked about this last episode. So this is going to show how quickly I'm moving through it. But I'm on the last season, season seven of Deep Space Nine. I'm almost done it already. No way. <laughs> yeah, I've been wow. ripping through it. It's so good. It's such a good show. 
Oh yeah, it turns so good when it gets into the Dominion War yeah, and stuff like that yeah. too. Like when they're, yeah. it's like a war. Yeah. Um, you must have gotten to my favorite episode though, um, the one I told you about last time, mm-hmm. and I, I just want your opinion on it if you can remember it, which is where like I think it's the Defiant either crashes or is there on a planet, and a Dominion cruiser's there, but the Vorta knows he's about to run out of Ketracel White, so he actually backstabs his own Jemadar by arranging with the Deep Space Nine crew to slaughter them in a valley in a rigged yeah. fight. In exchange for becoming a POW. Yeah. And like, okay, for that time in the 90s, like that was dark AF for Star Trek to accommodate a theme like that of betrayal, suicide, you know, drug addiction. All these things are pretty hefty themes. I agree. Yeah. And they're, they're doing so it's so funny it's so interesting even with like they did the same the same thing with the cardassians really with uh with key specific cardassian characters where they're the whole race is portrayed as you know these brutal fucking warmongers right they've been occupying bajor for five decades but they still are there's still so many cardassian characters that humanize the cardassian race and they do do a lot of that with the Jem'Hadar, but in as humanized as a Jem'Hadar can get, because you know they're they're bred to be soldiers, they're bred to be obedient, they're bred to be slaves, and they still like they're very clearly uh, yes they are bred to do so, but they st- very strictly Jem- Jem'Hadar very strictly believe in what they are born to do and abide by this their own moral code. Or maybe not moral moral codes, but is is a morality to them. You know, obedience is uh, victory, victory, or obedience is survival, and survival is victory, or whatever they say. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a real. It was a really good episode. The Defiance a rad ass ship. Like, <laughs> although it, its power levels seem to like dip and rise when they need it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's yeah. I'm really digging it. It's a really great uh, great show. Have you ever seen, perchance, Star Trek First Contact, the movie? Yep, yep. Yeah, because Defiance in the beginning of it, and it gets its ass whooped pretty quick. So. Oh, man, it's been forever. Yeah, yeah, I think they make a mention that, like, it will be salvageable or something, but you basically see it blown up in, like, the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> oh, and that's man. how they get Worf, right? That's because, like, Worf, Worf and O'Brien are not on with the rest of the star trek crew but when they were making those movies in the 90s they had to keep finding ways for Worf and like o'brien to come back so they keep making up these like ways that they find their way onto the ship for like a temporary time yeah for the space of that movie you know the really the only show that i can say that truly because of quarantine i went out and this actually was not on streaming was um i'd seen a few episodes of uh the ESPN sports documentary 30 for 30 and they're not available on streaming. They used to be on YouTube. Some of them now they're all taken off. Um, and I tried at first to use a VPN to, to get them, but, uh, because they're available free off ESPN.com, but the VPN was not working even though it was set to the correct region. So I bought them all on DVD and they're very expensive. It was probably like, uh, there's three sets, probably like 45 bucks per set. So you're looking at close Whoa. to 150 bucks mm-hmm. uh, to get what's the equivalent of maybe 20 shows. 
Um, and there were a few standalones I had to buy for like 10 or 15 bucks each. But anyways, yeah, really good. Went through a lot of those. I still have a few more to get through. Um, but that is something that definitely during the first March lockdown, um, I spent a lot of time with. What do they cover? What are they? They are sports documentaries, but they're not, it's not as boring as you would think. It's not like, oh, this guy threw a touchdown and this or that. It's really more goes to human interest and psychology and like every move that was done or every move that was not done. Like the best of them all by far is called From Elway to Marino. It's the only documentary I watch at least twice a year, sometimes three times because it's just so damn interesting. And you know, basically goes, it's, it's narrated or, well, not narrated by, but it's, it has a lot of interview pieces with this uh, player agent who was managing the two best quarterbacks in the draft. One of them gets picked number one, but he doesn't want to play for that team. So it goes through all the trades, like every other team wants him. And it goes through what they offered, how close they came, all these crazy reasons the trade didn't happen. Meanwhile, the second quarterback keeps falling down the draft and every nobody knows why, like he's not getting picked. And uh, it goes through like his psychology of like panicking and feeling sick to his stomach. But there's a lot of other really good players that came in that draft they're talking about too that get interviewed and and uh, do stuff. Like there's one, one player that uh, didn't want to play in Buffalo, New York because it was cold. So he went to this rival football league. And by the time that football league collapsed and he's like, fine, I'll give this cold place a shot. He loved it. Went to four Super Bowls all back to back. And just, I don't know. It's, it was just, it was really interesting. And the other 30 for 30s, they're all about, uh, actually a cool one was there's a guy, John Spano, who having no money, he, well, I mean, not no money, he had maybe $100,000 to his name, managed to buy the New York Islanders hockey team just by playing banks against each other. Like this bank would owe this bank 20 million. This bank would owe 40 million. And like, he was such a smooth talker. He put together like a $20 million deposit to buy a a hockey team. And he was like literally given the keys. He was given the office. He walked in and talked (laughs) to the players, but the whole time he had no money. He had no wow, money. That's really and they cool. interview the guy. They interview the guy. And it's funny because like he's really smart, but he's also really quiet and introverted. He's like, yeah. Um, so I just kept writing checks and like I'd forget a zero and it would bounce. And they're like, well, your check is due. And yeah, I'd forget another, you know, I miswrite, I miswrite my name by like one letter. And then like three days later it would bounce. And you're kind of like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, are you such a <laughs> troll? Wow. But yeah, he managed to control and legally get a hold of this team based off a deposit, based off of like just running around to different banks with promissory notes. And it's just, it's fascinating. That sounds, yeah, I think I would be interested in watching that. That's (laughs) really cool. (laughs) You know, I was, I was honestly surprised that, uh, that I enjoyed the, the Michael Jordan thing. Um, Fuck, what was that called? Oh, that's actually really good that you brought that up. Save the Last Dance. So Save the Last Dance was supposed to be one of those shows. Oh. One of those 30 for 30 shows. It's made by the exact same people. So I forgot you had seen that because if you like Save the Last Dance, all the 30 for 30s are exactly that style. They're just okay. short. Okay, cool. What happened, with, what happened with Save the Last Dance is, number one, they had way more footage. Number two... 
uh, Michael Jordan kept saying, I don't want it released. I don't want it released. So that's why it ended so long. And then finally they released it, you know, as a big segment. But yeah, if you like those kind of documentaries, that's exactly what 30 for 30 is. Same, same production staff and everything. Cool. That sounds rad. Yeah. So enough about that. Well, did you, did you watch any movies specifically due to quarantine or not really? No, I mean, nothing I, no, (laughs) I don't think so. Well, and I had a note that I didn't too. I mean, I have so many movies, I cycle through them as normal, but um, I didn't watch any, especially for, for quarantine. Um, Has 2020 changed what we've seen and how we've approached movies and TV? I guess we kind of talked about that, but um, has it changed at all how you approach streaming Leland or... I mean, I, I guess you, uh, I guess yes, because like before the pandemic, I didn't, like, I didn't have, I got rid of my Netflix, right? I didn't have Amazon Prime. Like I didn't have anything except I was watching a lot of YouTube, but even then I had gotten rid of YouTube premium and I have a bunch of them again because of the pandemic. So like, (laughs) I, you know, I've gotten these services back and I don't know if I'll be getting rid of them. Once things get to some kind of normal in 2021, I don't know. No, I hear you. I hear you completely. And uh, I think in my case, I I appreciated streaming more. I appreciated the opportunity to have all this varied content available. Um, Another thought I had was I wished companies rushed shows more. If you're wondering an example, I wish Cobra Kai Season 3 was rushed like now for yeah. close to the Christmas break rather than being January. Yeah, I think it's January 8th. Yeah, it's like Give throw it to us, us a bone. You've, with... Like, come on, Netflix. You already got it. Yeah. Do you we're, know? We're locked in. Yeah, right. Do you know how Netflix got Cobra Kai? It's like, do you know what went down on that? I've never looked into it. Yes. Yes, actually, I do. And it's uh, it makes sense when you think about it. So with the success of Cobra Kai... YouTube basically overextended into YouTube Red slash Premium with their own original content, of which you know nothing else was really a hit. Right. So suddenly they're investing all this money that is not paying off. They had this one, you know, home run. But what happened was basically YouTube Premium started to contract into a, from a service that, you know, creates original content to a service that instead supports the good, just like spontaneous content, for the lack of a better term, that's on it. You know, the really popular YouTubers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like, I think ads come up for YouTube Premium for them because it's like, hey, I want to skip the commercials and all the ads that these people have. And honestly, that's mostly who I watch in YouTube anyways. And so like YouTube Premium, I, I have no plans to give that up. That's very useful for me. That's my main platform is YouTube to stream. Yeah, I know. I sometimes miss it because like just it's so egregious, those ads, on especially on some channels. Like it's just fucking nuts where I feel watch a 15 minute video and I'll have four fucking ad breaks in it. Like that's it's just egregious. Ugh. I guess other than that, though, like, I mean, we yeah, we talked about the movie theater stuff a little bit, but uh none of that really changed for me this year like maybe i would have went and saw i probably would have went and saw the new wonder woman if it had dropped when it was supposed to and that kind of shit um i wonder so i was thinking about this even just kind of right before we started 
recording. I wonder if drive-in theaters can make like a comeback. Like, I mean, we have uh, what is a Twilight drive-in yeah. in Langley out here. And it's touted as the only drive-in theater in Metro Vancouver or Greater Vancouver or whatever the fuck it is. And, like, I went to that place as a kid all the fucking time. It's a – I mean, I, I love the drive-in. Like, the drive-in is a really fucking cool thing. But even even the Twilight drive-in is closed right now because of the the restrictions. I was looking that up yesterday. I don't know why. Why would they be closed? Why would they just, like, not have a concession? Because all, apparently all outdoor gatherings of any type are banned, even if it's in cars. Okay. Which, <laughs> which believe me, makes no sense because, you know, me and the girl that I'm going out with were going to go. And that's why I was looking into it, you know, because she hates people just like you do. <laughs> She's like, there's nothing better than seeing a movie where you can stay in your own car and not have to encounter people. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, fine, let's go. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, yeah, shit, sorry, it's closed. Oh, that sucks, man. Because that was that's a cool that's a cool date. Um, I I don't get that. I just don't understand. Like, why? How is this? How is this? This is like the safest thing you can do. Just have people drive in. I wonder though if it's like you know shared washroom facilities. Um, I, like, they, why can't they just close down the concession? That sucks. I mean. I guess we're we're starting to talk more about <laughs> COVID now again, but like everything's related to it, right? That we're discussing. It is. This damn virus is everywhere. Well, then maybe maybe they maybe that just it doesn't matter. Then I mean, drive-ins. I wonder if they're more popular in the U.S. Like if there's just more of them, or if they're just like here, there's just so few of them. Was that have there always been so few of them, or is there now so few of them because they keep failing? Um, I, I think there's now so few of them because they keep failing. Um, I think it's a case where it's a very niche audience that still wants to go into a drive-in. I mean, I, I, like I said, I would love to go, yeah. but because of quarantine, normally, meh, maybe like once every couple years, go see it. But, uh, yeah, quarantine with how many less things you can do. Man, I just remember as a kid going... We pull up in the back of my stepdad's uh, truck. I mean, I had a canopy, but we would have loaded the bed of the truck with uh, – it was basically the cushion off of like a couch or – you know, one of those old ass like wooden concave couches that was just like the half circle on yeah. the little yeah. – so we would literally just pull the cushion off of that thing, throw it in the back of the bed of the truck with some pillows and blankets and we'd all get in there, you know, the radio piping in the sound through the cab and watch out the back of the – Back of the canopy. Oh, man. Such such good memories. I remember watching... Oh, man. What was the horror movie? I think we went there and watched, like, a double feature. And one of the features was, like, Hollow Man starting at, like, 12.30 a.m. or something. Like... So, we'd be there till like, 3 in the morning. No way we'd be able to stay up the whole time. But, like... (laughs) Really good memories. Like, those are some of my earliest memories. Driving's a good place. that's awesome. And you're, you're... You're kind of talking, you're kind of hitting on one point that I had wanted to discuss, which is where, where do we think the industry will go in 2021? Um, I don't, I don't think we'll see more drive-ins because the initial investment and the risk. Right. I, I do want to refer back to the banter about HBO Max. I certainly think they're trying, they're trying to do something to right the ship a little bit during this situation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I think where you're actually going to see there could be some positives there for the streaming services because I think there's going to be a lot higher ratings for their their best shows. Uh, maybe that leads to more revenue, more focus on keeping shows like Cobra Kai going, uh, which would be appreciated. Um, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, I'm sure, has exceptional ratings. Um, yeah, so those those were two points I had on that. Sure, yeah, yeah, that, and they kind of make sense. But how, so how do high ratings equates to more revenue for streaming services? Just more word of mouth, and it's like its own little, hey, this show is great, sign up for this service? Yeah, that, that, and I think that um, in a little bit of a darker way, they can more... They, they they can squeeze more money out of their users because they're like these people want to see these shows. They'll pay seventeen bucks a month for something they were paying fifteen bucks a month for last year okay. or two years ago. Yeah, I gotcha. So, unfortunately, well, I really think overall the industry is just going to become more flexible. Like, I mean, they're they're showing that they have to be. Like now, look at everyone's scrambling to become more diverse and. Maybe so now they're they'll have some of this groundwork that they're being forced to lay now just so they could survive. And it's gonna it's gonna remain there. Whether or not I wonder if like they'll be able to put some I guess some and I say they, but like who is they? Like some of the larger production companies really. The 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 ones that are already ha- making the most money are the ones that are gonna come out on top, obviously, because they have the best ability to be able to lay their own groundwork to be flexible and continue to generate differing revenue streams. But like, so will they, will they, you think they'll lay like this HBO max, they'll lay that groundwork. And then once things get back to quote normal, uh, whatever that looks like, they'll no longer take that rev Avenue, but still have it there in case they want it. Or you think like, will they just dump it? Obviously it depends if it makes money. No, actually, what I think they're going to do, the most realistic option is I think they're actually going to use HBO Max as what used to be second run theaters, of which there's only a few left. We still have one in Pitt Meadows. Yeah, It's ever going to reopen. But yeah, you're going to get basically HBO Max is going to be allowed to release the film after, say, three or four weeks on a streaming service and then hold it for a month or two. That's what I think you're going to see. They're still going to try to give theaters first cut because, okay, you can get 15 bucks a month from someone for HBO Max, or you can get 15 bucks for someone for one movie from a theater. Plus, you know, insane concession markup revenues and things like that. And being able to show previews. I don't think people are ready for a lot of previews on HBO Max when they're already paying for HBO Max. They want to be given like, 15 minutes of mandatory previews. So I think there's other financial considerations to give theaters a first crack, but I do believe that uh, streaming will become second run. Okay. That's interesting. I guess we'll see. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going to say when we'll see is not this next year. It's when we're doing, if we're still alive, the asteroids haven't hit and we're not dead doing the 2022 review. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That would be incredibly interesting to reflect on and contrast and compare. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, uh, I don't know, man. I just hope that eventually, it, it, I really hope that it ends up being uh, a more lucrative industry for the creators, bottom line, really. 
Yeah. No, I hear you, man. As far as this section goes, that's all I've got. We touched on anything. So anything else you want to bring up or do we end this bad boy? End the show stuff. Our website, ttpopcast.com. We are ttpopcast on Instagram. The T-Hut Podcast on Facebook. That movie maintains the page. Oodles of written content on the, the website are show notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I say that every yeah. time. Every time it never changes. Oodles. Oodles. Oodles and oodles. <laughs> I guess uh, I've been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Fuck, Fuck you, 2020. 2020. <laughs>